All right. Good morning. It's good to have everybody here today. How's everybody's week been? Breezy. Yeah, that's that is that's an understatement. Um, everybody have a good week. Bad weeks. All right. In between weeks. Anybody there? In between weeks. Hmm. Today is uh, week two of Own the Vision. Last week we uh, we talked about sharing him with others. Uh, anybody anybody have any opportunities this week? Anybody take any opportunities this week? I should probably preach week one again then maybe. <laughs> Just realizing that right now. This week I want to talk about serving. And serving is, was one of our core values. Uh, and it actually goes hand in hand with, with two things. And I think it's the last slide on there. It's got two of our core values on it. And the, fir- the first one is community is our calling. Uh, we want to be the light everywhere we go. And in everything we do, we will do life together. And the second one is serving as our identity. We are spiritual contributors, not spiritual consumers. If you're too big to serve, then you're too small to lead. That's a big one. Because we live in a society where we want titles, right? And we want titles and we feel like we're supposed to have titles. And a title is going to bring us some kind of closure on what we do and, and how we do it. And, but do we serve for titles? Is that why we serve? I mean, do we, do we want to, to do things for God so that we can have a title in what we do and where we are? There's, there's people, uh, especially the younger generation. I'm not, I'm not bashing the younger generation because my generation started it. Where we want to do less work, but we want the title for it. We want the paycheck that goes with more work, but we don't want to do more work, right? I put myself in there. My generation started that, right? Many, many moons ago, it started that. But it happens that way in the church too, doesn't it? Where we can get to a place where if we're doing something in the church, we can feel like we're entitled to a title, right? That we're, we're, we're serving. I'm doing something for God, right? So where's my title? And what I love though, is that Jesus demonstrates so many times the opportunities where he served people and didn't even ask people to refer to him as the title he deserved. <laughs> in Mark Thank you. Ooh, it's cold too, man. Whew. Mark 10, 43 and 45 says this, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must first be a servant 
And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. In John's first letters to the church in 1 John 2, 3 through 6, it says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Today's message is not about serving in the church. And when I say that, I mean this building. I don't want you to get confused with that because a lot of times in church, when the pastor talks about serving, it's because there's a lack of people serving, right? We've all, if you've been in church long enough, it's now time to guilt you into doing something here right? It's now the opportunity to get you to sign up for children's ministry because we're low on people, right? (laughs) But that's not what today is about. Today is about serving people. Serving people. How many people have ever been to a restaurant before? How many people have ever gotten your food and had a complaint about your food? Come on, be honest. We all have. Now, how many people have a complaint about your food, but don't open up your mouth about it and you just stuff it down, right? How many people, let's see who's gonna be honest in church today. How many people, when you have a complaint and your food is wrong, you immediately send it back? That's okay. This side is super heavy with that. All right, all right. I'm paying for it. I, I, well, right, right. Right, oh, yeah. It's possible. But here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. Let me ask you this question, though. If your food is wrong, does it, does it change your opinion about the service? At the end of, okay, so no. At the end of the, when you get your check, does it change the service because your food was wrong? This is a hot topic right now. When I put this in my notes, I did not think it would start anything, but holy cow, COVID has been long and you guys are vicious right now. But here's the thing though. Here's, here's the thing. Just let's think about this because you don't go back to the kitchen and tell the chef or whoever cooked it that it's wrong. You get your attitude and you tell your waiter or waitress that it's wrong. It's not their fault. You were right, William. It's not their fault, but they're going to get how we feel. It's not nice, but I have watched people do it. And I'm like, why are you so rude? Right? Michelle, you work at the Argonne, right? You've waited on me many times. Well, not many times, a handful of times. I don't want to sound like I go there all the time. I feel everybody judging me. But if something's wrong, have you had people take it out on you? Darren, you're in, the, you're in the kitchen. Has anybody ever marched back at Great Gables and said, Darren, my steak is wrong. Right? Has anybody ever done that? No. We take it out on the wrong people. We take it out on the people who are serving us. 
Do you know the same thing happens sometimes in church when people are serving? It's easy. It, it, what about this one? When you walk in, somebody was just telling me that they saw somebody walk in uh, in our church and saw something on the floor. And instead of walking over it going, that's not my job. They stopped, they picked it up, they walked it over to the garbage and they threw it away and then they went on their business. But how many times do you, do you know, or how many times in your life have you ever done anything, not just in church, but anywhere where you've walked by something and you could have easily done it yourself and you said, it's not my job. What about in a public restroom? No, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not saying you get down and hug the toilet and clean it up. I'm not saying, but how many times have you watched somebody go to throw their paper towel away and it lands on the, on the counter and then you look at it and you go, well, that's not my job. But wouldn't it be just as easy to take the paper towel that you just washed your hands with and dried them off with and grab the paper towel that somebody else touched and walk it over and throw it away for somebody just to help somebody out? Right? That's what serving is, isn't it? Doing the things that aren't your job, but having a willing heart to do them. Right? I've been in grocery stores before. I know, big surprise. Um, but I've been in grocery stores before and, and I don't know what it is about me. I don't even have to wear something that looks like the employees that work there. But people think I work at these places. <laughs> I have worked at the Dollar General not wearing yellow or black. I have worked at Target not wearing anything close to red. And I have worked at grocery stores and I don't even have a name tag on. But I've had people ask me, sir, can you tell me where you have this? And I'm like, what? I don't know, but my guess would be one of the aisles in here, right? <laughs> but what about this one? What about this one when, when a, a, a person that's challenged in gravity has held them down their whole life and not allowed them to grow and they can't reach the top shelf and they look at you and they say, can you help me? And all you're there is for a bag of, of Tostitos chips and some salsa, right? And they go, sir, could you just reach up there and get me? I just can't reach that. Right, yeah, you, you know that feel. Yeah, you need that. You need that extra hand. You need that extra foot and a half to get up there. But here's the thing though. In that moment, you have a choice to either help and serve or say, I'm sorry, I can't. Has anybody ever been in a situation like that? I had a lady ask me, sir, do you guys have the Lego minifigures that are in the separate packs? And I was like, no, at Target once or twice. It happened a few times. And I said, you know what? I do know where those are. That's, yeah, that's the guy that I am. And my wife is sitting there going, oh my gosh. And I was like, yeah, well, what are you looking for? Well, you know, those packs are mystery packs, right? You can't see in them. And she's like, my, my son really would like the one where it looks like a spider. And I was like, do I break this lady's heart or do I use my master builder abilities here? <laughs> and I said, you know what? I've got a little, I got a little secret and I'm, I'll help you out. Mind you, I'm not there for anything but to get what Lindsay and I wanted. And, and I said, let me help you out. 
And I, 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 I crouched down where the aisle was and I started feeling the bags. That's my trick. If you don't know it, I'm giving away this secret. And what you do is you look for a unique piece and sometimes it helps to close your eyes. Um, but you find the unique piece of the minifigure and then you look at the picture and go, yep, that one's it. And so I sat there for 15 minutes with this lady looking for this spider minifigure while Lindsay just sat there going, oh my gosh, <laughs> we're, we're running late. What are we doing? And I sat and I finally, I was like, you know what? I 100% guarantee you that this is the one you're looking for. And here it is. And she was like, thank you so much. Thank you for taking a, you know, a moment to do that for me. I just got up and I was like, I don't work here. What? Why did I do that? And it's because I just wanted to help someone out, right? It was an inconvenience to me, but I wanted to help someone out. And the thing is, is we've been called to obey God's commandments and Jesus's commandments to follow in his footsteps and demonstrate his character and his priorities. Jesus came to this earth for one thing, and that wasn't to be told, you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are the Prince of Peace. You, you are, are my Savior. He, wasn't, he didn't come to be told those things. He came to serve people. It's demonstrated beautifully just strictly for the cross. He came to this earth knowing that that was his final destination. That cross was to serve everyone else, but not himself. Mm. on the night that would be Jesus's final night with his disciples. He got up and he wrapped a towel around his waist and he began to wash his disciples' feet. It was a dramatic object lesson. Ashley, when she preached a little while ago. She demonstrated that for us. But I want you to think about it this way. Washing someone's feet in the house was normally a thing that the servant of the house would fulfill. Person in charge of the household had to make sure that they had somebody there for when their guest came over, they would sit and wash their feet before they entered into the home. It was for a servant to do. And Jesus got up and he wrapped a towel around himself and he bent down and began to do what a servant was supposed to do. But think about that. You know, our feet really aren't that nasty because we've got socks on and shoes on, right? We're not walking out in the elements. We're not, we're not trudging through mud to get to church and walking in with our feet looking just like giant brown clumps of dirt. We're not doing that, right? But if you think about what Jesus was washing off of those men's feet, how many of you would be willing to stand at that door and when people came into the church, you would be the one to wash their feet before they entered into the church. How many people think feet are gross? They stink, right? They're dirty. There's things in between the toes, right? And Jesus, our Savior, bent down and began to clean off the mud And anything else they might have stepped on or in, 
And he sat and he watched them, washed them, washed them, washed them, dried them off. Next. And what a beautiful image of somebody who had every right to be served. And he was a servant. John 13, 12, 17 says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. And he said, do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who has sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. In that moment, Jesus gives them the kingdom of servanthood. He shows them right off the bat, this is what you should do. This is kingdom leadership at its finest. As a pastor, you, 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 you experience a lot of things. Even when I was a kid's pastor and a youth pastor, I experienced a lot of things. People who, who didn't want to serve, but they had opinions about people who did serve. People who hadn't really done anything but they wanted a title that made them feel like they had importance. And here Jesus, he's not even, he's not even asking people to call him who he is. When I first became the pastor of of this church, I had a, a, a minister tell me, Nick, Today is the day that you determine what your people call you. And I was like, what? And he's like, if you want to be called pastor, demand that from them. And I was like, excuse me? And he's like, you determine that. And he's like, if they don't call you pastor and that's what you want to be called, don't answer them until they call you pastor. And I was like, all right, man, you can leave, (laughs) right? Like, I kind of had that mentality. And if you've been around here long enough, not too many, I mean, some people call me pastor, some people call me Nick, right? It doesn't bother me. Now, you start calling me some other things, it might bother me a little bit. Because I've come here to serve, right? I moved three and a half hours away from my family to serve, not a building, but to serve a community. And that's what Jesus demonstrates for us, isn't it? He came and walked this earth for 33 years just to serve. We talked last week about multiple times in the Bible where he, where he served out of inconvenience. 
Matthew 23, 11, 12 says, the greatest among you will be your servant for those who exalt themselves will be humbled. I want to read that again. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. How many people feel like today, like I'm a nobody, right? I don't have much to offer when it comes to service, right? I can't sing. I can't either. That's why if you notice when I do break out in a song during my thing, I only sing a couple words. I don't sing lines because then you're going to know like that dude can't sing and he shouldn't sing anymore. But I can't sing. I can't play. I can't play a guitar because that's all we have currently, right? I, I can't, I can't, I, I can't, I can't even operate a camera. It's cool because they operate themselves, right? I, I can't, I can't talk to somebody at the front door. That's too much for me, right? I can't do it. I don't have much to offer because I don't have skills. Can I just tell you something? You can serve right where you are. The little things. Val, can I publicly say something to you today? It's not bad. <laughs> it's, not, it's not bad. It's not bad. No, I don't publicly say anything bad to anybody. Val. Val, I watched you from back there this morning after um, you had gotten here. You put all your stuff away. And I watched you walk through each and every one of these rows, sorting out our cards that are in the pockets. Nobody asked you to do that, did they? Oh, somebody did. Okay. <laughs> you should have said no. But the thing is, though, Val, is I didn't know that. And I just thought to myself, wow, it's just somebody who's serving where they are, who cares enough to say, I've got a few minutes and I'm going to do this, right? A couple weeks ago, I was doing it myself and Nastasia saw me back there. I had only made it like three rows deep. And I was like, this is going to take me all the way up until preaching time for sure. Because I am meticulous when I do certain things. Um, and she said, can I do this for you? And I was like, Yes, right? But it's just having a moment and serving where, where you are. I didn't ask you to do that, right? Can I ask you another question? What does it mean, though, to be a neighbor? What is your definition of neighbor? Anybody? Anybody? Hospitable, okay. Okay, but, but if you were just, if I was to say, who's your neighbor, what would you tell me? My neighbor is Phil. He lives, lives next door to me and he's got a Michigan mailbox. Yeah. Phil and I are neighbors. We're not friends. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Phil's a nice guy. But he's got a Michigan mailbox. Um, I know the guy behind me that shares a fence line with me. His name is, is, is Lou. I know you don't have to tell me. I know his name. But thank you, though, having my back. His name is Lou. I know my other neighbor's dog's name. I don't know his name, though. I think it's because he yells at his dog. I think that's what pretty much it is. But who's your neighbor? If you know your neighbor's name, just shout it out right now. 
Oh, you guys need to know your neighbors better. What is wrong? Some of you are like, I've got neighbors like a mile down the road. Yeah, I know. I understand that. But you probably, Tristan, you, you don't have close neighbors, but you probably know your neighbor's name or not. Okay, that's fine. Scott, Dawn, you guys kind of, your neighbors are kind of far away, but you probably know their name, right? Right. Anne, you kind of live out a little ways. You probably know your neighbor, right? If you live out a ways, you know your neighbor and you're not even next door. You can't even peek in their windows or them peeking yours, right? If you live in the city, let's just be honest, they can, right? You leave the blinds open, you're like, whoops, uh, I'm sorry, right? But when you think of neighbor, you immediately think of the person who you live next to, right? Who's your neighbor right now? If you don't know their name, please introduce yourself right now. Hi, my name is, and then, you know, and then what's your name, right? When I think of neighbor, though, I think it's somebody close to you. It's somebody who you have some kind of of, a relationship with, right? Because neighbors, you know, you share things sometimes like bread and milk and maybe not anymore. Not anymore. I know, but can I borrow some sugar, you know? Has anybody ever really done that? Really? You ain't got medicine for your brother from your neighbor? That is sketchy a little bit if you're getting medicine from your neighbor. I'm not going to lie. I've been at a youth camp before and I had somebody go, hey, would you like some medicine? And I was like, not from you. I'll go see the nurse. Like, you just became a drug dealer. Um, but when you think of neighbor, it's somebody close to you. It's somebody, it's somebody who's, who's you've got a relationship with. And what happens is, is too many times when we say you should love your neighbor, you think to yourself, I already love my neighbors who are close to me. But what really they're trying to get to you is this. And it's the, the exact thing of the parable of the good Samaritan. Jesus has has somebody run to him, a lawyer come to him, and he wants to know. (laughs) He wants to know. I'm just going to read the whole thing because not everybody might know this. But he comes and he wants to know from Jesus. He wants to know like, man, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? That's how it starts. And then he says, you've answered correctly. Jesus replied, do this and you will live forever. And then the lawyer decides, I'm going, I'm going to push a little bit deeper. And he goes, well, Jesus, who's my neighbor? Right? Right? Y'all know those people where you say things to them and they're like, oh, really? Well, then who is that, right? And and so then Jesus goes right into teaching and he says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. (laughs) 
So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Can I just tell you that nobody liked the Samaritans back then? Right? People would travel days out of their way so they didn't have to encounter the Samaritans. We know people like that. Right? And I think sometimes we, we, give, the, we give the first two guys sometimes the bad rap, right? And we want to be like, you guys are horrible. Right? But what happens if they really had somewhere to go? Like what if they were running late somewhere? You ever, you've all been running late somewhere, right? What if they were running late and they, they literally were like, I can't stop because I gotta be where I gotta be, right? So let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they had somewhere they had to be and they were running late. But the person that no one liked stopped. He's probably on his way somewhere that needed to be at a certain time. Took care of him there, put him on his donkey, and then took him to a place, paid for him to stay there, and then paid the innkeeper to take care of him and said, If it doesn't cover the cost, I'll come back and pay you back. Never, ne- I mean, come on. Jesus takes that story to show us in that moment your neighbor, who's is, who is, it is whoever's in front of you who needs something from you. Let me say it a different way. It's the person in front of you who's in need. That should be your neighbor. And too many times we're stuck in our own stuff, aren't we? We get caught up in our schedule. We get caught up in in, in our own things and it stops us from seizing these moments to serve our neighbors, right? What I love is is that Jesus, though, you can just point back to Jesus of why we do what we do. Why should we serve people that we don't know? Why why should we give to people that we're never probably going to see, right? Why should I give give at Thanksgiving time to families that I'm probably never going to meet? Because they're our neighbors, Why, why should I give gifts at Christmas time to the Christmas project for kids that probably are never going to come to our kids' church? Because they're our neighbor? Why, why should I give to the ministry of, of this church? Because <laughs> we want to give back to our neighbors? Like, trust me, I'm, I'm not in it for a Lamborghini. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know? 
I, I, you, 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 can, you can ask, you, I just asked somebody the other day uh, who, who's on our board. I said, why do we have this amount of money just sitting in our bank account? And they go, well, it's really good. I'm like, it is good. But shouldn't we be giving that back to somebody else? Right? Like, isn't that what taking care of your neighbor is? It's finding somebody who needs it way more than you do? And having it and just saying, here, no strings attached. But you know what churches do? I'll give it to you, but I need all your information so that I can contact you so I can get you to come back to my church. That's conditional. That's not just loving your neighbor. (laughs) That's not what Jesus wants us to do. Is it? Am I, am I wrong? Does anybody disagree with that statement? We're not here to serve ourselves. We're here to serve others. If all we do is serve ourselves... Has anybody ever had God talk to you in the shower? I'm just. And you have other things that you'd like to say. And he says no. If all we're here to do is serve ourselves. To pad our bank account for a just in case. For a what happens if the boiler breaks? What happens if somebody throws a baseball through our window? What happens if the building floods? Is that really doing what God wants us to do? If all we want to do is get top heavy with titles and have a leader over the envelope ministry, and have a leader over this ministry and a leader over that ministry and a leader over that ministry. Why? Does a title make you a servant? When I first talked about changing the sign, you can ask Tracy. They were like, are you going to put your name on the sign? I'm like, no. It's not about me. It's about the church. It's about the heart of of what we do in this community. It's about serving others. Jesus showed multiple times what it was like to be a good neighbor. In Matthew 8, 16, a demon-possessed man was brought to him. He drove out the spirits with a word and healed him. 
Matthew 19, 1 and 2, he left Galilee, went to the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan and large crowds followed him and he healed them there too. At sunset, people brought in Luke 4, uh, 440, brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying hands on each one of them, he healed them. In Luke 9, 10, 11, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done and then he took them with him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. He healed all who needed to be healed. Every one of those times, Jesus had other things going on and he was inconvenienced by his neighbor. And what did he do? He served them. The other night, as I was putting this together, I, I sat and I was, I was, I'm sure Lindsay thought, well, he's watching TV. How in the world is he? working on his sermon. <laughs> but I was watching, um, I believe it's episode three of, chapter, or of season two of, of The Chosen. And you don't see Jesus the whole episode until the very end. And Jesus is out healing the line of people that are there for him while the disciples sat around a fire arguing about who they were and what they were doing. Arguing about how long it was going to take. Arguing about things that didn't matter to the kingdom while Jesus stood there alone, serving person after person after person. And what I loved at the end, and it makes me cry every time, is Jesus was finally finished and it was dark. And I know it's not biblical, right? But I think it captures the servanthood of Jesus in this moment because Jesus is exhausted from serving people. And as he walks past the disciples who are arguing still, they miss the fact that Jesus had stepped back into the camp and was exhausted and needed help. He needed at that moment, somebody to help in his mom. I love how they portrayed that. Mary was the only one who noticed. And I think to myself, I see that. And I, and I, and I think to myself, every time I see that is that we get so stuck standing around our campfires, worried about our stuff that we miss the opportunity of how we can help Jesus serve people. We get so stuck in our situations. We get so stuck in our finances. We get so stuck in what's not going right for me, right? That we miss the opportunity to serve people. One of the ways that we can help ourselves serve people is allow God to upend our schedules. Where are my people at who have, who have calendars? More than likely on you right now. Just in case somebody asks you to go to lunch afterwards, you got to check first, right? <laughs> it's true. I mean, I've, I've had to do it. Would you be willing for Jesus, 
for God to talk to you and tell you, tear out that page and just be open to me this week? Like, would you be okay if I just deleted our, our shared calendar right now for this week? Would you be okay with that? I know, yeah, yeah. You wanna, like, just go through and delete it all. Like, delete wrestling practice. Well, yeah, that would probably help. Delete, delete worship team practice on Thursday. Delete going to small group right now, this week. Right? Because we just need to be open to what God wants us to do. Would you be okay with that? Because I can be real with you. Some of you are like, absolutely not. Right? And even if you were to tell me, yeah, I would be. Deep down, you're like, absolutely no. You're crazy. I got things I got to do this week. Yeah? I got appointments that I got to be at this week, right? But what if we were willing to let God be God and just upend our schedules? And when we woke up in the morning, we said, God, give me the faith that you're going to lead me to the person that I need to serve today. How many people would be okay with that? Pastor, you're talking crazy right now. No, I'm talking exactly what he's asked us to do is just be open to what he wants us to do, who he wants us to serve, taking us to our divine appointments, to our neighbors who need us, right? That'd be, that'd be hard. Pastor, you don't understand. My schedule is everything. He should be everything, right? The Samaritan in the story that Jesus shared, it's not even a real thing, but it's a great object lesson for us though, because in that moment, he obeyed Jesus and what Jesus wanted us to do in that moment by, by allowing himself, his schedule and his pocketbook to be disrupted to serve a neighbor. To serve a neighbor that more than likely, if he would have known he was a Samaritan, would have been like, I don't need your help, <laughs> Right? And he let all of that in the story go. And so I feel like if Jesus put that out there as a demonstration for this man, and it's in the Bible because it's important for us to see this, then we should be willing to let all of that be upended in our lives too for him. Now, I'm not saying start running around and being like, here, here, like Oprah, like you get $10 and you get $20, like none of that. But what I'm saying is allow yourself to be interrupted in what you want to do for what he wants to do. Too many times we schedule ourselves so, so much that we don't have time for God. Well, I get it in my podcast. Yeah, but do you spend time with him? Well, I listen to the Bible all day. Like, but do you spend time with him? Because I'm going to be honest with you. When I'm here, I listen to podcasts too. I listen to the Bible get read to me when I go to bed at night. You know how many verses I make it into? Three. And then I'm done. Because I'm asleep. And then I think to myself, well, it's just like if, if the earbuds are in and the word of God is flowing through my ears, even though I'm sleeping, it's going to get in there, right? It doesn't. I have weird dreams usually if I'm listening to the Bible all night long right? And so it's allowing 
our schedules to be upended. The other thing is recognizing that the cross was a template. Matthew 16, 24 and 27. Hmm. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. What have you done for him lately? been at church every Sunday this month. Congratulations. So have I. What have you done for him lately? Not too many people raised their hand when I asked them if you you shared Jesus with anybody this week. Just throwing it out there. When we start thinking about this, like, man, this is not just for me to come and hang out, right? It's not just for me to come and and, and fill up two hours of my day. This is not just so I can come here and feel good about myself so I can make it another week. This is about coming here to get recharged, to go out and do something for him this week. Something. Go through McDonald's and pay for the person behind you. Right? That would bless me. It has blessed me. I absolutely did. And I felt bad because it was Jake that did it for me. And he he was like, I already had made up my mind whoever was behind me, I was doing it. I was like, yeah, but I ordered for Josh and he eats a lot. I'm sorry that you paid that much. But I absolutely was like, how much for the person behind me? Because I'll just take care of them. When we lived in in our last city we lived in, there was a state police officer behind me in McDonald's. Nikolai was in the car with me and I said, Nikolai, do you want to pay for that police officer's meal? And he was like, yeah. He was little. And so I asked asked them, I said, "Can can can I pay for the police officer's meal behind me? And they were like, yeah, absolutely. And so I paid for it and it was cool because I pulled up to the next window to get my food and then I hear, which you never want to hear this on a police car, right? The the loudspeaker, you hear like, thank you so much. (laughs) And I was like, don't pull me over when I leave, please. Like, great. I'm pretty sure that's bribing a police officer, right? Yeah, okay. But a little thing like that is enough to bless somebody just by saying, I want to pay for your meal, whether you can afford it or not. I just, want to, I just want to bless you, right? How about this, walking up to somebody and saying, can I pay for your gas? I know that's a small investment right now, but I'm just saying though, like, but what if you did though? What if you were standing there in line and all you were getting was a pop or something healthier than that at the grocery store and somebody behind you had a little bit of groceries and you said, hey, can I just pay for your groceries today? 
What if you said, hey, I know this is weird. What if you just said, hey, can I help you load your groceries in the car for you? And then walk your cart back to the building for you so you don't have to right now because it's cold outside? Come on. Just so you know, I hope you're taking notes because you could do these this week and feel really good about serving God. (laughs) It's about doing the small things to make somebody feel blessed. The other night I was walking out of the gas station and I noticed the lady next to me was pregnant. I think. <laughs> I did because the lady behind the counter asked her when she was due and she said any moment now. And then she told us how dilated she was and I was like, too much information. Um, <laughs> but I, wa- I, walked out, I walked out and I was like, oh man, it's really slippery outside because it's when, that, when that, all that wind was blowing. You know what I'm talking about? The storm that we got. Wasn't that bad. But I mean, it was really bad in the moment. And I, and I was getting ready to walk out the door and she was already done because she was at the register next to me and she was walking out and I hurried up and I was like, ooh, because I wanted to hold the door for her because she's pregnant. And you know how big of a smile I got just for holding the door? And she said, thank you so much. You're welcome. I hope you have a great day. You know that lady I told you about, Rite Aid? You guys... Has anybody ever heard me talk the story about the lady at Rite Aid, the lady behind the counter, who's always negative, Nancy? Oh, shoot, I never did tell you it was Rite Aid. Darn it. Uh, <laughs> delete that off, though. The other day, I, I took my own message to heart, and, and, I, and she looked like it was going to be another bad day, and I said, how are you today? And she was like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm like, that's great. So glad you're good. And she was like, okay, this guy is weird. I could just see it. That's what she was saying to me. And when we got done, she was like, oh, I was buying some stuff for Otto. And she was like, is one of your kiddos sick? And I was like, yeah. I said, just get in some medicine for him. She's like, I hope he's better when you give him medicine. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to talk to you about Jesus soon. Um, and I just told her, I said, I hope you have a blessed, blessed rest of your evening. And she was like, thank, thank you too. You know, like you could just tell. But it was a moment for me just to just, be Jesus. Just little things like that is serving our neighbors. Yes, it's speaking life into people in that moment, being Jesus on this earth for them. Right? 1 John 3.16 says this, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Would anybody be willing to lay their life down for me? Okay, a handful of you. Okay, I didn't think that would be that many. All right. Feel pretty good about my chances. Um, But we should be demonstrating the same thing Jesus did for us on the cross for other people. Going to bat for people, right? Standing up for people. We know what love is because of the cross, don't we? God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And we should practice that same kind of love when it comes to our neighbors even if it's inconvenience. I'm pretty sure this morning, our neighbor across the street 
snow, was it a, he's got a snowblower attachment on his tractor? I'm going to say it wrong. He snowblowed? That sounds weird. Uh, snow blue? He cleared off our main sidewalk that went from the road to the door so that we didn't have to. I'm like, I didn't ask you to do that, but he just did it to be nice. He just moved here a month ago. Okay, now I got to go over there this week and be like, thank you so much. Because that blessed me because I didn't have to go out there and do it. Jared didn't have to go out there and do it. Paul didn't have to go out there and do it because we'd all be out there with broken backs right now, right? But it's little things like that. He blessed me and I'm like, dude, I... I don't even know you and you don't know me. We wave at each other when I leave the building. Like, but it's just that little thing. Philippians 2, 5 through 9 says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Whew. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. There's a, the a British theologian, Graham Tomlin, and he said, to Paul, the cross is more than God's mean of achieving salvation, but it's also a paradigm for God's action in the world. Showing us how to serve. Being humble. What God wants to do in this world will not be accomplished through power, or coercing somebody to do it for us. <laughs> but through sacrificial love and service to his people, from his people. That's what the power of God, when that's when it will move in this world. It's not when we're saying, hey, come to my church, put your name in the drawing for a big TV, and while you're there, I'm going to share Jesus with you not coercing people. It's genuinely loving people and saying, I just want to serve you. What can I do for you? I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes when people say, hey, pastor, what can I do for you? It catches me off guard because I'm like, nothing? Because I just do it on my own, right? The last thing I, I want to I share with you is a story that I read, but it's very true for how to serve. It's from a retired Lieutenant Colonel, uh, Joseph Como. And he was saying, my, my gunnery sergeant and I were inspecting a Marine training exercise when we spotted a second Lieutenant ambling about. Where is my foxhole, Lieutenant? Or where is your foxhole, Lieutenant? I asked. He snapped off a salute and responded, I don't know, sir. <laughs> Turning to the sergeant, he asked, Gunnery, where is my foxhole? You're standing in it, sir, the, the sergeant said. All you have to do is remove the dirt. 
But isn't that true for serving? Too many times you come into a church and you go, how can I serve? Or you walk out into your community and you say, what can I do for this city? And the reality is you're holding a shovel. You can either serve where you are and make your hole. And when that one's done, move on to the next one. Or you can stand there like that guy did and go, where's my hole? What am I supposed to do? Serve where you are. Do the things that no one's doing where you're at right now. If nobody's talking to Jesus where you work, be that person. If there's somebody who you know needs something at where you work or where you go to school, get it for them and don't even tell them it's from you. Do the little things to share Jesus's love with people. Because if we can start to honestly get to a place where we're loving people like Jesus loved people while he was here on this earth and, and how he loves us still to this day, you, the church, will change this community. You will change your workspace. You will change your circle of friends, young people and older people, you will change your circle of friends if you start to just love people the way that Jesus loved people. Look at people the way he looks at people. If I could tell one young pastor, how, how do you get through ministry? <laughs> I would look at him and go, look at people the way Jesus does because if you don't, you're gonna stress yourself out. When people talk to you, ask yourself or ask God, Jesus, God, how do, how do you see this person? Because I'm, I'm not liking it, right? And take on this, this empowerment of serve where you are. It's not about serving in the church. Now that's great. And that's part of it. But it's very much about serve where you are in this community. Serve where you are here. Serve where you are, everywhere you go. Just like our, our core value of community, we want to take Jesus everywhere we go. Everywhere you go, serve. Love like he loves there. Watch what happens. And if you don't feel it right off the bat, just keep doing it. Eventually, those people are going to be like, they're super nice. I'm, I'm, I like them. I'm going to talk to them more, right? You talked about your work. You've done it. Just be Jesus. Love like he loves. Look for the little opportunities to serve someone else. You could do it on your way home today. Wave someone else through the intersection before you drive through right? It's the little things. Grab the mail for your neighbor and take it to their front door for them. It is, I know, but it's the idea behind it. Did you say you've done that? Oh, I was like, but I'm just saying though, do something nice for people, serve them.
and don't expect anything back. Just do it and be like, that's for you, God, not for anybody else. I'm going to end with this and then I'm going to pray. 1 John 2, 6 says, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. In love. In patience. In kindness. Let's pray today. God, we thank you for this challenge. (laughs) God, man, I'm not serving like you want me to serve. I'm not taking opportunities like you set up for me, God. And so God, I pray today that you put a servant's heart in each and every one of us this week. Let your examples, Father, just sit on our minds and in our hearts where God, this week, it's not about us. It's not about our schedules. It's not about our appointments. It's not about our wallets. It's it's not about our time. But God, it's all about serving your people. Loving people like you, like you love us. Being Jesus on this earth for people who don't know him. God, I ask that you just put that burden on us. God, that if we don't serve people this week, God, that it just, it just digs at us. That it's something we have to do. God, you've called us to be your church. Being your church is serving people, serving our neighbors, loving them like you love them, even when we don't agree with them. Laying down, Father, our personal things. And just being a reflection of you. Let us serve this week, God. Give us divine appointments, Father, that you set up for us to just stumble into, God. But let us take advantage of those moments, Father. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that, that from, from me down, Father, this is a challenge to serve better. To do things, God, without expecting anything back. To, to take time out of our schedules, Father, to, to be inconvenienced to love people like you do. Lord, you're so good. Be with your people this week. And Father, show us where we can serve where we're at. What we can do where we're at, God. Let it become a lifestyle for us. I love you, God. Amen.